Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. We're excited to have you here. Will you stand? We're going to worship together. If you're out in the lobby, I want to see your face in here. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. It's good to worship together. Um, before we get back in with worship, I wanted to, I'm like your cruise director this morning. Um, we are going to continue worship. We're going to be participating in communion together this morning, which is so fitting as we get to anticipate the coming of Christ and also recognize why he came in the same morning. And then Brett is going to be bringing the message. And yeah, it's just so good to see you all. And then um, my favorite form of worship is coming up in a couple weeks, brunch. So um, visit mylcc.info to sign up to bring some food on New Year's Eve. We'll be doing that. So we will continue worshiping together. It's 2014. And right now I am in a cell group with a bunch of nerds. It's wonderful. I do include Georgia in that definition. She does count. Um, Christmas is almost here. And many of you, I'm sure, have Christmas traditions. Uh, my immediate family has several traditions, one of which is to watch Home Alone 1 and 2 every year um, over Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Another is that we actually open our stockings on Christmas Eve night after we come home from the Christmas Eve service. And on Christmas Day, we eat cinnamon rolls before opening presents, and the youngest person passes out their gifts that they wrapped first. So traditions not only help us remember and focus on why a certain day or event is important, um, but they also help us celebrate that day or event. Um, and communion is a tradition. It is also a commandment. But in thinking about communion in the context of a tradition, what does it help us remember and focus on? And also, what does it help us celebrate? Jesus' command to take and eat the bread and drink the cup helps us remember his sacrifice on the cross. It helps us focus on his redeeming love and his saving grace. It also helps us celebrate um, the forgiveness of sin that we receive from him and the eternal life that we have in him. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The commandment and tradition of communion is something Jesus intended for only his believers to follow. Um, 
So we are going to leave it up to you personally to decide uh, for yourself um, and for your children, if you have any, uh, whether you are ready to participate in this tradition this morning. Um, so I'm gonna give everyone who wants to participate time to come up front and grab a piece of bread and a little juice cup. And um, once you have those items, you can go ahead and head back to your seat. Um, and don't eat or drink them yet, but um, just take this time to reflect quietly on the tradition um, of communion and what we have to celebrate um, with it. And um, then I'll lead us all in eating and drinking together. So you can come up at this time. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke at it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord God, thank you for this day we have to come together and remember the great work that you have done for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough that you willingly died for us. Help us to never take your sacrifice for granted. Holy Spirit, I ask in this time of darkness and cold and rushing and anxiety, and excitement and anticipation that you give us your peace and your comfort um, in such a way that we can tangibly feel it. I ask you to bless the remainder of our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus first led communion, he, he and his disciples worshiped after, and that is what we're gonna continue to do. you'll stand and we'll continue worshiping together. Amen. You guys can all have a seat. Good morning. Buenos dias. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Uh, can we take a moment and uh, just praise God together this morning for the band uh, and, the, and the joyful worship that they just led us in? You know, God really has blessed this body of believers with many talented musicians and vocalists. Uh, but I also want to give some credit to everyone serving on our tech teams. Uh, whether they're running sound, lights, slides, or live stream, uh, their main goal is to make sure things run smoothly so that we can focus solely on God. Tech team, your humility in working behind the scenes is noted and appreciated, right? Amen. Cool. Hey, well, 
It's nice to meet you. My name is Brett Machat, and I am the worship and young adults pastor here at Life Community Church. And whether it is your first time here or if you've been coming for a while, we are excited to be with you this morning. Since our Christmas Eve service is going to be next Sunday at 10 a.m. right here, this service is technically our LCC Christmas Sunday service. So no pressure on me, right? Okay, cool. Uh, Last week, uh, we started our Christmas series that we've titled Not Home for the Holidays, which is applicable to us in many, many ways. Um, If you didn't know, this actually is not our building. Uh, No, this building belongs to RELC, not LCC, Resurrection Evangelical Lutheran Church. Uh, And for the past couple of months, they've graciously let us use this room while they have been on the other side of their building in their chapel. You see, uh, something happened back in July. Uh, We had a bit of a fire in our back warehouse, and while that area was the only place that was touched by the flames, water and smoke permeated the entirety of the rest of the building. So this meant that we needed a temporary location to meet and have our Sunday services. And Pastor Dave, the head pastor at RELC, uh, and everyone else there reached out to us and offered their very own space to use on Sundays. And when I say their very own space, I mean this is the room they usually meet in, right here. They didn't just offer up another room that they happened to have, no. They said to us, you take our room that we normally meet in We'll take the spare. Uh, I've told Pastor Dave, Catherine, Jay, Charlie, Todd, Barb, Jill, uh, and all the other friends that I've made at RELC uh, that their act of kindness and humility has been such a testimony to the loving goodness that our Father in Heaven shares with us. I've had friends who don't go to church stare at me because they, they have a hard time understanding how a group of people could be so humble and gracious. But here's the best part. To RELC, it just made sense. And I know it made sense to them because they follow Christ's example in being humble. And that is what we're going to focus on this morning. Last week in the opener for this Christmas series, Not Home for the Holidays, Tom walked us through the beginning of Christ's birth here in our world and how much Mary and Joseph moved and traveled even before Jesus arrived. We examined that because we serve a God who is moving. We serve a God who is doing things, who is on the move. We need only to look, listen, follow. And do you remember what he said last week? Go now. Next week for our Christmas Eve service, which is happening here at 10 a.m., Next Sunday morning, in case you can't tell, I've had a lot of people asking me when the the, the service is. Next Sunday at 10 a.m. right here, uh, Dan is going to continue this theme of God moving by examining the different detours that Mary and Joseph experienced after Jesus' birth and their obedience in those circumstances. It's going to be great. But for today, instead of looking at Mary and Joseph uh, or the shepherds or, or the wise men, Uh, and how they moved and traveled, we're instead going to focus on 
Jesus' humble arrival to our world and the significance of that in our own lives. Yes, Jesus, I know that's really unexpected. The reason why we celebrate Christmas was also not home for the holidays. Uh, A quick side note for some context this morning. If we haven't met personally, I want you to know these things about me. I'm married to a wonderful woman named Allison. Together, we have a son named Boston. And as you can tell, sometimes they match. And it's, it's awesome. Just the two of them. I'm always kind of the odd one out. Uh, and I like to talk about the two of them a lot. Uh, and you know what? I'm not even sorry because they rock. So now when I refer to them throughout this time we have together, just rest easy and know that I'm only sharing about 10% of the stories that I really wanted to share because I have a time limit. Y'all are lucky. Okay, let's do something together. Raise your hand if you have heard the Christmas story before. And no, not the movie with the kid, uh, the BB gun shooting, not that story. Uh, The Christmas story, Jesus, is what we're talking about. Um, I was raised in a Christian home that attended church regularly, and I've heard the Christmas story many times. Uh, You may be like me. You may not be like me, and you can put your hands down. This morning could be the first time that you or someone else is hearing this story. But no matter what category you fall into this morning, I want to ask one small favor of you. My wife Allison and I have a son. He's 21 not 21 years old. I'm thinking months. Sorry. Sorry. This looks, looks really young for his age. He's 20. How many months old is he? 20. 21. Thank you. He's less than two years old. He's under two years old. Uh, and one thing I love about him is not how he wakes up every morning at 5.45 a.m. screaming, Oma! Oma! Because right now he's obsessed with Olaf from Frozen. <sighs> That's not it. Uh, I know. I just need to let it go. Um, fuels me. All right. Uh, No. (laughs) One thing I love about him is his pure, unadulterated sense of wonder for everything that he encounters. Not even just the new things. Like, every morning when he sees his mama for the first time, he is not only happy, he is in awe. Or when we read the same book that we read yesterday and the day before and the day before that, just he loves it every single time. I want to ask you to try and have that childlike wonder with me this morning. With Christmas just over a week away, let's submit ourselves to God right now in this moment. Let's respond with open hearts, attentive ears, almost like it's a brand new story that we've never heard before. Let's pray for that right now. Jesus, as we gather together this morning, help us to focus, pay attention, and submit to everything you are doing right now. Whether this is the first time or the 101st time we are celebrating Christmas, Jesus, we ask that you give us childlike wonder as we observe the humility that you displayed in leaving heaven and joining us on earth. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right, let's set the stage. First, location. Let's look at where Jesus was born. If you've got your Bible with you, 
You can open it to Luke chapter 2, and if you don't have your Bible with you or just don't have a Bible, uh, that's all right. We'll have all the verses in English and in Spanish for you on the screens. Reading together in Luke 2 verse 1, it says this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, so we read this last week in case you're wondering why it looks so familiar. However, let's focus on that ending together today. Verse 6 reads, And while they were there, there being Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. Okay, hold up a second. Isn't it so easy for us to read this verse and think, is this really the best time for Jesus to be born while Mary and Joseph were traveling, while they were out of town? Listen, and this might come to a surprise, uh, as a surprise to some of you, but I'm not exactly what you would call a pregnancy expert. Uh, And I know that because I could not have been more clueless if I had tried when my wife gave birth to our son back in March of 2022. Uh, That being said, I'm pretty sure that the state of traveling or being on the move is not what we would call best practice for birthing or pregnancy or even ideal for childbirth. Shoot, my wife and I planned out as much as we possibly could Okay, let me try that again. My wife planned out as much as she possibly could for Boston's arrival. Until this day, that was still the craziest day of my entire life. <laughs> I mean, okay, it was, it was crazy for her. Uh, not really crazy for me. All I had to do was stay awake. Okay, yeah, and even that was kind of hard for me. Oh, my goodness. All right, back to Mary and Joseph. Back to Mary and Joseph. God the Father knew all of this. We believe he is all-knowing. Amen. It's not like childbirth is something he doesn't understand. I mean, he's the one who designed childbirth, right? What's even crazier is that God, the Son, Jesus, knew this. Jesus knew what he was getting into, which is to say exactly how he would enter this world. There's even more context in the following verse. Follow along with me in verse 7. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Not only is the Son of God not born at an ideal time, he's not born in an ideal place. I mean, this is the God of the universe. This is God in human flesh we are talking about. Are you guys guys thinking what I'm thinking? Where's the palace? Where's the red carpet? Where's the nurse? with the blanket and the pillow for the husband because he forgot to pack them. No, but seriously, think about this with me this morning. Why did God do this? Why was this his plan? 
Remember, childlike wonder. <laughs> we'll get to those questions later on, but first, let's look at one more detail regarding Jesus' birth. Before Boston was born, I remember hearing Tim Beach, my father-in-law, say this statement about birth. And to be honest, I don't remember the statement exactly, but I remember these two words, humble beginnings. The point being this, I'm going to read this because this is a quote. It doesn't matter who someone becomes, the things they'll say, or the deeds they'll accomplish. Every human being that has ever been born on this earth has one thing in common, a very humble beginning. Not only was Jesus born in a stable, but he was born in a stable as a baby. You might be thinking, yeah, Brett, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. Only babies are born. Uh, but, but, but hear me out for, for just a second, okay? Is it beyond reason to believe that if God had wanted to, he could have made Jesus born an adult. I'm not saying I know how. I'm not saying I want to know how. What I am saying is that there was purpose in God choosing for Jesus to be born as a baby. And we ignore Jesus' humility when we don't acknowledge that purpose. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever taken a care of a baby for more than like 10 minutes. I'm not talking about somebody gave you a baby and took him right back. Yeah, okay, plenty of you. It's hard work, right? You know why? They don't understand safety. They are not smart. They go to the bathroom in their pants. They can't feed themselves. They don't know how to behave. They find ways to spill the unspillable and break the unbreakable. They wipe their nose on everything. They don't eat their dinner, but they will eat literally anything else. They bite you. They like mama more than dada. They insist on watching Frozen every day. Okay, maybe a couple of those are just Boston, my child. Okay, now, imagine, just for a second, you, whatever age or stage of life you're in, you're turned into a baby. You go from having all the knowledge, understanding, and freedom that you have at this moment to a baby, a helpless human in need of someone to take care of them. Now, that was pretty hard to imagine, right? Now imagine Jesus, God the Son, born a baby, a helpless human in need of someone to take care of them. Can you think of any other act in history that is more humbling than that? I can only think of one other thing that Jesus did that might compare to this act of humility, and we'll talk about that later. This act of humility is even more incredible when we acknowledge not only what Jesus took on when he came to earth, but also what he left behind when he left heaven. In order to understand the scope of what it cost Jesus to come to earth uh, and be born a man, we're going to take a, a slight detour from our regularly expected Christmas Sunday service for just, a, for just a moment and clarify a few details surrounding Jesus, God, and the Trinity. Bear with me because understanding the importance of Jesus' relationship as a part of the Trinity adds an incomprehensible amount of weight 
the Christmas story that many of us have heard year after year. Here we go. Jesus is part of the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible points to this many times, but for this morning, we're just going to look to John 1 for for clarification. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We see this being, this entity, the Word, mentioned many times. And later on in that passage in verse 14, John writes this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 14 shows us that the Word is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Looking back at verses 1 through 3, and knowing that the Word is Jesus, we can conclude the following things. Jesus was there at the beginning. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. All things were made through Jesus, and there was nothing made that was made without Jesus. I'm going to read that last one again because it's kind of confusing. There was nothing made that was made without Jesus. Amen? Why is this so important, you may be asking, that we had to take a detour for it this morning? Again, we begin to understand what Jesus gave up for us when we acknowledge that he was, is, and will always be fully God. Understanding and internalizing this fundamental truth can completely change the way we celebrate Christmas. And I'd argue that not only can it change the way we celebrate, but it should change the way we celebrate. All right. How are we doing so far? Following along? We're good? Okay, cool. It's ironic uh, that we're focusing on humility this morning because when I began researching different topics for this Christmas Sunday, I wasn't sure where to look after Luke 2. That's about as deep as I had gone with Christ's birth in the past on Christmas. Can anyone else relate? It wasn't until a few weeks ago when I was on the phone with a friend of mine uh, who I went to college with. Uh, He's a pastor in New Mexico, and we chat every Wednesday at noon, just catching up about life. Uh, Fun fact about this guy, his name is Josh. He is super competitive. He is so competitive that he makes me competitive. And usually, I couldn't care less about winning or losing, unless it's Guitar Hero. But that's a sermon for a different Sunday. So I was explaining to Josh how I would be speaking on December 17th, Christmas Sunday, and that the series was titled, Not Home for the Holidays. And I hate to admit it, but the truth is, I was filled with enough pride to not even ask him for help, even though it was so apparent for the both of us that I could use a little bit of guidance. Uh, And out of nowhere, with little to no thought, Josh graciously said something like this. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he said, well, if you're looking to focus on Christ's humility and the Christmas story, why not look at Philippians 2, Brett? And that, Philippians 2, is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time together this morning. You see, Paul, the writer of Philippians, knew what it meant for Christ to come down to earth, and he understood 
that it was important for us to see Christ's example in humility and apply it to our own lives. And after encouraging the church, the church of Philippi to be like Christ by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, he says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Man, isn't this, just, isn't this one of those passages that makes you want to stand up and proclaim amen and hallelujah? My goodness. Paul shows us that through the Christmas story, Jesus not only told us that we need to be humble, he showed us how to do it by orchestrating not only the most famous birth in history, but also the most modest. Let's dive a little bit deeper into those verses, starting with verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you're wondering why humility is important, listen up. Practicing humility not only makes us more like Jesus and draws us closer to him, it draws us closer to each other. Humility brings us together. I've got a story I really want to tell, but I don't have time for it. So ask me later. When we are less concerned with our own interests and instead aware of the needs of others, we become peacemakers, world changers, and Christ glorifiers. Continuing on in verse 5, Paul writes this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in who? In Christ Jesus who, though he, was not, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Verse 6 says that even though Jesus was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Think about that for a second. What does that mean? What does this mean? This means that Jesus did not see his own godliness as an expectation, as an assurance, as a dependency, as something that he was obligated to or owed. And at least to me, this begs the question, why? Why did Jesus not see his own godliness as an expectation? It's because Jesus was humble. Let 
Verse 7 says that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And I want to pause right there and, and take a side note for just a second. After the service is over, not right now, I want you to research this word, okay? You can write it down in your phone or uh, on your notes if you're taking any. The word is kenosis, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. I could have put it on the slides. I didn't really think about that. Wow. Uh, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. It's like Kenobi from Star Wars, but not quite, if that, if that helps you remember. It is this very real and important concept of Christ's emptying of himself when he was born on Christmas Day. It's super fascinating. We don't have time to go into it into detail today, so look it up later and we can talk about it. It's awesome. This emptying of himself shows us again that Jesus did not see his own godliness as an expectation. Instead, this passage clearly articulates that Jesus saw his godliness as a privilege. And not only that, a privilege that he would be willing to give up or voluntarily refrain from using or calling upon in his time here on earth. And we see it all throughout his life. He performs miracles. He has divine power. He is fully man. Yes, that is true. But he's also fully God. When we think of privileges, what do we think of? There are a lot of things that we see as needs that are actually privileges. And just in an amazing sense of irony, the first thing I wrote down here was internet, which is great because we have no internet today. We are not live streaming. <laughs> it's just never happened since we started live streaming. We're, gonna, we're recording this. It will be posted later today. But how amazing is that? It's very humbling. Cell phones. Cell phones are a privilege. You might think they're a need, but they're not. The rights and freedoms that we have in this country, those are privileges. There is something that I treated as a given, as a freebie, as a right for a long time, and I will always see it as a privilege moving forward. Our church building. I took that for granted many Sundays. Verse 7 is important because it gives weight to the next part of this passage. Jesus knew that in order to be the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind, that it was going to cost him. And while it's not fun to talk about this on Christmas morning, Christ's sacrifice on the cross, why Petra led us in taking the bread and cup just a few minutes ago, it's the reason why we have Christmas. It's the reason why Jesus came. Verse 8. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yes, Jesus had a humble birth. I think we've accomplished, we've established that this morning. But it was all because he needed to have a humble death. Even with divine power accessible, remember, fully God, fully man, Jesus chose obedience to God the Father over his own desires. We see it clearly in the garden before his death. He pleads with his father, asking if there is another way. But what is his response? Ultimately, he humbly submits and obeys. 
And not just to death, but death on a cross. Now, Paul could have stopped there in Philippians 2, and, and that passage would, would still be true, but thankfully he didn't. Let's look back at verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of his obedience to God the Father, Jesus is exalted. Every knee bows on earth and in heaven to what name? Jesus. Every tongue confesses who is Lord? Jesus. And this ending of the passage, this result, Jesus being exalted, knees bowing, tongues confessing that he is Lord is only possible because, you've heard me say it many times this morning, Jesus was humble. He left his home in heaven to be with us. He chose a manger, not a palace. He chose death on the cross. I'm going to call up Amy and, and Shannon for one final song today. All right. Take a deep breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. You might be sitting here asking, all right, Brett, we get it, Jesus was humble. So what? So what? EK, why? Why does it matter? Well, we live in a world where humility is scarce. What does our world value? Our world values pride. It's all about me. What holiday am I celebrating? What gifts am I getting? What gifts am I giving? How much time do I get off from work or from school? And when we sit down and think about it, what exactly does pride breed? We end up with selfishness, discord, separation, misunderstanding, a loss of truth. But church, our world may be full of pride. But our God is humble. And he values humility. It says that God opposes the proud. He focused a lot on his birth, but Jesus was not only born on this earth for you. He lived and he died on this earth for you. He bore your sins and was crucified on the cross. He died defeated death and sin and rose three days later, he ascended back into his home in heaven. He is the only one worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. Amy and Shannon are going to lead us in a song called Nino Dios, which in English literally means child God. It beautifully articulates the point of view of someone requesting and receiving the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus that was only made possible through his birth in Bethlehem as a baby all those years ago. I'm going to leave you with this. This Christmas Sunday, as we are not home for the holidays, at 4400 Cemetery Road, Hilliard, Ohio, 43026, let's remember that Jesus humbly left his home in heaven 
to be born a baby for you and for me. All he asks is for us to receive him. Father God, thank you for our time together this morning. God, even in in my own heart and mind, as I've spent a lot of time reading the word humility, (laughs) reading about how you are humble, even in my own heart, God, I know that I'm sinful, that I'm prideful. But God, we know you save. We ask this next week, fill our hearts with humility. When we are drawn to look at our own needs instead of others, help us to instead be drawn back to you to look out for those who need us, to love them. Because Jesus, that is what you did for us when you were born. We love you so much. We are in awe and wonder of who you are. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. That is reason to be excited. It is reason to sing his praise this morning, and we're looking forward to singing it again with you next Sunday here at 10 a.m. for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, I just want to tell you one quick thing for our giving. Uh, If you want it to count for this tax year, I know details, uh, it needs to be postmarked by December 31st if you are mailing it. And if you're giving online, you need to give before December 31st. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.